0: If you're a single mom in here and it has been a horrible or rough week or if you've been looking at your bank account and you're not sure where the next dollar can come from to pay for the bills or if you're a guy in here who just got bad news no matter where every single one of us are at no matter the journey that we've been on, no matter the circumstances that maybe sort of chose us or we chose them, I want you to know that if you came here today either broken or came here today hopeless, in search of hope, in search of something that will be the solution, I want you to know that you came the right, to the right place today. You really came to the right place today. And it has nothing to do about four walls and a structure of cement. It has nothing to do with about that. What it has to deal with is it has to deal with a great and almighty king named Jesus who loved you so, so much and who saw specific things about you that said, guess what, it's worth it to come and demonstrate a love so much that I would go for an individual life, whether they would choose me or whether they wouldn't, I would still go to the cross and die for them and love them and give my life for them. And so no matter where you're at today, know this, that God is a specific God And he sees every need. And the word says that he knows our needs before we even ask of them. And so to the person that walked in hopeless today, I believe when pastor got up before and was challenging you and God wanting to bring new life, I believe that was prophetic. I believe that was God literally trying to speak to you that God is great, that he is awesome, that he is worth living for. And that despite our circumstances, there is hope in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says that one day every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And so that that means everything in our life, everything in our life, our finances, our bank account, our children, our grandchildren, our moms and our dads, everything in our life is under the lordship of Jesus. And Jesus has not been away, but Jesus is still on the throne. He still is sovereign, and he rules and reigns in this country and in this land. I felt so specific and so strongly this morning that someone needed to hear that. Someone needed to hear this. You needed to be reminded today. And so I'm so glad that you guys are here. I want you to know I am not on staff here. I am not the lead pastor here. He was here up introducing me before that. But I will say this, is if you really absolutely hate today, just blame it on me, okay? I, I'm, I'm leaving, all right? But come back. Come back to church, okay? This is an awesome church, and there's nothing like the local church. There's nothing like the local body of believers that gather together, and God's word says, do not stop meeting with one another. Don't do it. You better believe that there's an enemy that wants you to get ripped away from the church, to look at people and say, people are the reason why I church, but that's not the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus is don't stop meeting together. Be with one another, encourage one another, build each other up, I'll just say this, if my mom who went through a divorce of 17 years of marriage and myself along with three younger sisters, if my mom would have not picked up a phone and made a phone call to her friend saying, where's the best church to bring my kids? My kids need to go to church, my kids need to be in church, they need to meet other kids, where do I go? Where's the best church I can go? If my mom would have never made that phone call, I don't know if I'd be alive or even here today. But it's because my mom made a phone call to a friend and the friend said, bring him to this church. And I got plugged into a church and guess what? The very first Sunday, I was ticked off. I stayed in the van, I hid in the van. I was like, mom, I'm not step foot in church. I'm not gonna go to church, I'm not gonna do this. I'm staying right here. Well, my mom brought out one of the pastors and he was walking out to the van so I crawled underneath the seat, started to hide because I was like, there's no way I'm going to that church. The pastor, all of a sudden, I see his head just Look under the seat, look at me, I'm like, I'm busted. He goes, son, you need to obey your mom and you're gonna come inside the church. Little did I know as that day, in the following weeks, I would end up meeting my best friend, a person named Chris Roush, who's my best friend and ended up being there for my life. His family pretty much adopted me in and without the local body, without the local church who Jesus loves so much, I would not have grown and I would not have served in the capacity that I know God wanted me to do. And so it's important that you come, it's important that you get filled up, it's important that you get charged up. Some of you are out there and you're still like, who are you? You haven't really said much about yourself. Who is this guy? My name is Micah, Micah MacDonald, and um, I live in Eagan, Minnesota. I am happily married to the most beautiful girl on earth. Her name is Stephanie Joy. I brought a picture of Stephanie. There she is. We've been married for four and a half years now, and I always say this. If there's any young people in here or young adult males, you name it, I'll just say this, that if you live for Jesus, he always hooks a brother up, okay? It's just how it is. It's just how it goes. i married way out of my league. She's way better than I am, and today actually happens to be her 26th birthday. And so, dude, I'm telling you, I'm a better man because of this woman in my life, and I never thought I'd be so close, so intimate, and have such a best friend like Steph, especially after the heartache that I went through as a kid watching my parents' marriage break apart. Uh, Just recently, about two months ago, we had our first child named Everly Dawn. Everly Dawn was born on August 16th. She's a gift, she's awesome and uh i i put this picture up here on purpose okay because steph said hey micah i'm busy can you please go change everly put an outfit on her i said sure no problem i did it in a male mindset okay as men when you get up in the morning you know the first thing you put on is you put on some pants right put on some pants then you put on the shirt I didn't realize you were supposed to snap in the the little onesie thing first and then put on the pants. Okay, so I'm still learning what it means to be a dad, all right? Still trying to figure this one out. But that's my daughter Everly, and she is such a joy, and I truly get the opportunity to know the heart of God more when I get to be a father. It's so awesome. Also, I don't know if there's anybody out here that loves this, but I also am a huge Minnesota Vikings fan, and I love that we're undefeated. We won the NFC North division last year and we're on track to do it again. I feel bad for all those Packer fans out there shaking their heads. Yep, that's right. That's right. Defense wins championships, y'all. I don't care if you have Aaron Rodgers. Defense wins championships. Okay, enough about that. Some of you are like, I just tuned out the rest of the sermon. He's done. Too much of a Packer believer. You guys, I am so excited about the opportunity to bring God's word to you today because I believe it is one of the passion points and the driving value for our creator who made this entire world. It's a passion point. It was the great commission that God gave to people, to you and I, and the very passion point of Jesus. If you wanna know what breaks the heart of God, it's people. If you wanna know what God is crazy about, it's people, it's individuals, it's his creation. It's who he's made. And whether it's the terrorist and the worst human being on earth, or whether it's a Mother Teresa, it does not matter. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, while yet, while yet While we were still sinners, Christ came. You loved us. You loved us enough. And so I'm so passionate about what it means to build the kingdom, about what it means to live your life for what's eternal, not for what's gonna fade away. Because one day, you and I, we will all stand before Jesus. We will all stand before God and give an account on how we lived our life. On what we gave, did we keep it to ourselves or were we open-handed in allowing the Holy Spirit to utilize whatever he wants to do? God loves people. His heart is for those that do not need him or that, that do need him. His heart is for the sick. His heart is for those that don't know. His heart is for the tribe that no one has gone to yet and sh- talking about the love of Jesus. His heart is for those who are in North Korea. His heart is for those who believe in Islam. His heart is for those that are far from him. His word says that his heart is to save, to seek and save those that are lost. And to see them come to know him. And so I am so pumped to be able to preach this. I am so pumped to be able to share about this. Because this is Jesus. This is God's heart. This is what he loves. God loves people. Today as a nation and as a state. Some of you may have been sitting at home watching debates or you've been online on CNN or Fox News and you watched our current world and you've been looking at our current nation. And for some, it strikes fear and for others, it may strike anxiety. As you know, we are in a pivotal time in our nation and our country as there's a major election coming up for a president as well as those who will be in the Supreme Court ruling as judges. You know the weight that is there within our nation. But I just wanna say this, is that Jesus is still on the throne and that he is our president, he is our king, And that as long as he is on the throne, he has a plan, and it's plan A. And what plan A is for the people like you and I sitting in these seats, it's his plan to send us out to go into all the world to share love, to share the truth, to share the gospel with others who are broken and lost. A president will not change our nation. Another senator cannot heal people, but the love of Jesus can. And the love of Jesus does transform if it only took 12 guys, if it only took 12 dudes who was willing to surrender their entire life to a great God, if it only took 12 who were so passionate to love God with all their heart and to love others with everything within them, if it only took 12 and the result is you guys sitting in a church today, what could it do if the church woke up in America? What could it do if God started stirring in people's hearts rather than looking and pointing the finger, rather than looking at all the sin in everybody else's life What if we humbled ourselves and got God's heart? What if we chose to humble ourselves and say, God, I'm available. Whatever you want to do, I'm all yours. What would that look like? What would that be like? Obviously, it's important to pray. It's important to pray for this coming election. It's our job as believers to do that. And to pray full well knowing that God places those in authority. God places those in authority. More than anything and more than anything else, what we need is people who are fired up about loving God and loving people. People who are more concerned about lending a hand to somebody in need rather than criticizing political candidates. We need the heart of Jesus. Acts 1.8 says, you will be filled with the power of the Spirit, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. God's heart is for this backyard of this church, for the people in these nearby communities, and your church is all about building bridges to the community, building bridges to those that need help, building bridges to the fatherless, the orphans, and the widows, to those who are in need about building bridges, about building up the kingdom, and that is the heart of Christ. And this will be this kind of church. I know it because I know this is your senior pastor's heart, that this is his heart, that his heart breaks for people. And so we get to do something about it to the ends of the earth. The passage we'll be at today, if you brought your Bibles, will be Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 verse 10, that's where we're going to be this morning. Now I want to give you some context. I believe that what Jesus said nearly 2,000 years ago in Luke chapter 9 is the very solution that God wants and has for America, that God wants and has for the city, that God wants and has for our families. I love how the word of God is timeless, the word of God has been tried to be burned or to get rid of, or to throw away, or to, or to destroy, but the word of God has been protected. It's been protected, and here we have it today. In the very words that Jesus gives, I believe is the solution to what we see in our world today, in building the kingdom. The apostles were commissioned and sent out by Jesus to go. In fact, he sent out about 70-some 70 people, 72 sent him out and said, you will go and you will cast out demons. You will go and you will heal the sick. You will go and you will preach the good news. And so in Luke chapter 9, verse 10, right away in verse 10, the opening statement, it says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Now, I can just imagine this. Jesus is sitting there. The apostles, rather than walking all tired, they're running to Jesus because they're so excited. Jesus, you're not going to believe what we saw. You're not going to believe what happened. Peter, there was this guy that Peter saw. He was lame. He hadn't been able to walk for years. And Peter went up and Peter got to pray. And this man got up. Jesus, you're not going to believe it. There was this demon that was within this person. And it went, it came out in the name of Jesus. It came out. And Jesus has just got to be sitting there watching them, listening to them. And they're so excited. They're, they're, they're so enthused with, with what they're seeing. And the ministry that's taking place, it says that they reported All that they had done. I don't know about you, when the last time you were excited to come to your pastor and tell him all the things that God has done. But God is alive and active and lives in you. And the Holy Spirit's within you. And it desires to literally come out and spill out all over, wherever you go. That you are the light of the world. And so I can just imagine these guys coming back. Have you ever been on a mission trip? And you come back all fired up. Oh, man, we got to see this. We got to build this. We got to be a part of this. It was amazing. Here's Jesus just sitting here, and I love what happens next. But Jesus says to them, he took them with him, and they withdrew to themselves by a town called Bethsaida. I brought a picture of Bethsaida, okay? I had the opportunity to go to Israel. That is Bethsaida. The Sea of Galilee is far off in the distance there. This would have been a spot where thousands of people could have gathered in Bethsaida. Bethsaida was a fishing town, okay? It was a fisherman's It was known for fishermen and doing business by fishing. And by the way, if you've never had the opportunity to go to Israel, you've never been, and you've said, you know what, I've always wanted to go. Do everything you can to go, I'm telling you right now. Going to Israel and walking where Jesus walked, seeing archaeology match up with what Jesus said, and to see it actually be true is powerful it will change the way you read scripture. It will change the way you walk with God and you begin to understand scripture in a whole new way. Bethsaida is where they withdraw to. And how many of you know, wherever Jesus goes, there always was a crowd because Jesus was a healer. He was compassionate. Jesus was a giver. And anytime someone's a giver and anytime someone's wealthy, isn't it funny how many more friends they get? How many more people come around? All of a sudden, words get out that Jesus can take away diseases. And that Jesus can do the impossible. And that Jesus can feed people. So guess what? He has all these followers now. So Jesus meant to get away, but now here they are with all these different people. It says the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Can you imagine Jesus constantly giving and constantly pouring out? Do you realize this? That whenever Jesus saw someone that was disorderly or didn't look like normal society people, that it literally broke his heart. Like every time, like every time there was compassion. And this compassion was matched with an action. It's like telling, it's like telling me, hey, Micah, the Vikings are going to be on at 325 today against the Packers. You're not allowed to watch the game. Okay. I would be like, no, I'm watching it. It's the same way. Whenever there was someone who needed healing, Jesus couldn't help it. He couldn't help it but go and touch and minister and heal people. He was about building the kingdom. It said late in the afternoon. I love this picture. Late in the afternoon, so it's getting long. The sun's about to set. The 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. I can just picture this: the disciples just had a high, a spiritual high. They're talking about Jesus on the road trip over to Bethsaida. They're so excited, and now all of a sudden, when you come off of a high, you get kind of tired. You get a little bit of hungry. You're like, "Okay, I've been around people the whole day. Can we just leave people? Can we go have some time now?" And so he comes to Jesus, and the solution they bring to Jesus is said, "Jesus, hey, these people are hungry. Let's just send them away. Let's just have them go to the nearby villages. They can get food. They'll be good." will be good. We can get a little break here. It's late in the afternoon. Jesus, what do you think? Is this okay? And I love Jesus' response. I love it. In verse 13, he replied, you give them something to eat. You do something about it. Can you imagine following Jesus? Can you imagine following this guy? Like the most crazy things that he says? I mean, he I mean. We're looking and we're looking around, and it says that there's about 5,000 men there, which means more like fifteen to 20,000. And then Jesus looks at them and says, you give them something to eat. And their first thought is, well, we need to go to town and buy groceries. we got to buy all this food. There's no way else to feed all these people. Just the statement like that. He says, you give them something to eat. And they answer, Jesus, look, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. Here's what I love about this. What I love about this story so much is that Jesus is basically saying the solution is you actually doing something about it. You get up and you feed them. And I believe if Jesus could come here today and we were to come and have a one-on-one conversation at at a coffee shop with Jesus. And here we are sitting down with Jesus. He's just across from us. And we get to tell Jesus all the needs and all the problems that we're seeing going on in our world. We get done telling him all these things. And an hour and a half later, after we get done telling him everything, he just says one response to you and I. You do something about it. You give him something to eat. Have I not given you everything? Have I not given you my spirit Yeah, but God, you don't know what's going on in my life. Yeah, but God, you don't see how vast the problem is in our society. You don't see how big. You do something about it. You give them something to eat. I love this because everything we need, everything we need is is what's right there in our hand. All they had were five loaves and two fishes. You see, Jesus saw the miracle before it even happened. Oftentimes, we look at what we have in our hand and we ignore the miracle because we stay with what's in our hand and we never look to a big God to give it back to him what's already his anyway. It's his. He's the one that multiplies it. He's the one that delivers the miracle. He just wants you and I to be his plan A to help reach people and build the kingdom. You know what? I love being a youth pastor. You want to know why? Because this generation that's coming up has been known as entitled. They win everything. They get a trophy for taking last place. (laughs) It's true. It's true. They do, okay? But I hear more than just that. I hear about how dumb they are, how not smart they are, how not intelligent they are. I hear about all these different things. But yet I get to see from a firsthand basis that the youth that is coming up that love Jesus are doing this very thing that Jesus asked them to do by saying, you give them something to eat. It's crazy what God is doing. And they're doing it through a tool called Speed the Light. And what Speed the Light is, a lot of you know, but to the first-time guests here, I want you to know what this is. It's amazing. People, other denominations, The Lutherans, the Catholics, other people are looking to what this movement is doing. Because what's happening is young people, junior hires and high schoolers, are giving money. They're selling things. They're doing things to raise money so that missionaries that are around the world can be equipped with vehicles, with sound systems. Harder to hear. But when you have a microphone, you can reach more people. And these young people are doing something where they're stepping out rather than sitting by, they're choosing to be the solution and step out and believe God for something awesome. They're listening to God. God, what do you want me to do? This is why it's so powerful. This is why Speed the Light is a discipleship tool. It's a discipleship tool because young people are asking God, God, how much? And how many of you know, to ask that question, how much, is scary. It's scary. It's scary how much. But then these young people don't stop at how much. They begin to write it down on how much God is asking them to do or to give to speed the light. And then they're actually doing something about it. Sometimes we ask how much, but then we stop right there because we're afraid of how big the goal looks in comparison. Similar to the disciples with the five loaves and two fish. You want me to feed everyone? That's how much? You want me to do something? That's how much? And then we take the God factor out of it, and we take the supernatural of it, and then we never get to see what Jesus really wanted to do because we walk away and say, nope, I can't do that. No, I won't go there. The people that are the most fully alive, the people that are most beaming with joy are the ones that are asking how much, and God, send me, I'll go. God, I'll be obedient. They're givers. And it's better to be a giver than it is a taker. You know, there's a young boy who heard about these missionaries who were in Libya. I'm not going to say their names because I didn't get permission, but there's missionaries in Libya, and they needed funds to build a school so that they could teach the Muslims English as a practical way to build a bridge into the Islamic community. It's a very different mindset, very family-oriented, very much ingrained in Islam. And this five-year-old boy heard about the project to go reach Muslims for Christ to help build a school. And he asked Jesus how much. And he felt like he heard Jesus say $100 for a five-year-old boy. I want you to take a look at this video. His name is Levi. He's five years old. Here's what his mom captured and asked him. Here's what's cool about this, is Levi, who's five years old, got the heart of Jesus, did a lemonade stand outside of his garage. So let me give you some context. This was a neighborhood that was tucked in. It's not on a main road. Levi believed Jesus for $100, and through his lemonade stand, almost $400 was given to go help a school project in Libya. I think of students like Levi. The very next year, Levi heard a need about what was going on with sex trafficking in our world and the injustice of sex trafficking, that every 30 seconds, a young boy and a young girl is trafficked around the world. And by the way, you think it's just happening in Thailand or you think it's just happening in Asia or Europe and Amsterdam? Think again. But sex trafficking is literally happening right out of our own state, right in our backyard, not even a mile from the church we have the Mall of America. There was a girl who was running around Bloomington with no clothes on. She was stuck in the Radisson Hotel, and she escaped, and she got away. It's happening right in our backyard, and it's every 30 seconds. That same boy you saw in the video decided to run a 5K to raise money to help rescue girls and boys out of sex trafficking. I'll never forget it. I got a phone call from my best friend. He said, Micah, you want to run 30 miles? I said, no chance. <laughs> That's random, but no way. He goes, Mike. you need to understand why. I was like, tell me why. He said, I want to put my body through something I know I couldn't do physically and sacrifice because I know there's young kids who are being hurt physically and suffering much worse. So Micah, here's the deal. I'm calling 30 of my friends and asking if they want to run 30 miles with me, and you're not off the hook. You need to raise $1,000 to give that money to speed the light to help rescue these girls. I said, Brent, I'm in, 100%, I'm in. And youth pastors across the state of Minnesota started finding out about this and started running 30 miles. His dream was to see $30,000 come in for Speed of Light to go help rescue and end sex trafficking. That $30,000 turned into $80,000. All because he started with the question, how much What do you want me to do? God, you told me to feed them. What do you want me to do? And by the way, it was such a powerful and moving event last year. It was covered over the news stations. And you know what? It wasn't just a Cedar Valley thing. It wasn't just a five-church thing, but churches all over the state participated. And by the way, I'm the first one to say this publicly, and you better hold Joe to this, but Pastor Joe is going to run 30 miles next May to do the very same thing. Okay? Joe, Joe and his family are going to participate next May. This dude is not a runner, okay? (laughs) He's going to run 30 miles. I wasn't a runner too. But you know what? Every step where there was pain, every step where there was hurt, guess what? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. Why? Because people matter to Jesus. People matter to Jesus. And every life has value because every life was made in the image of God. I brought another picture of a girl named Reagan. This is Reagan. She heard about, she's on the left, she's a youth leader. Every Wednesday night, she drives all over the place to go pick up about four girls from the community whose parents can't bring them to church. And she goes and picks them up, and Reagan's heart got exploded. Her heart broke when she heard the need that's going on right in her backyard of sex trafficking. And here's a girl who had never ran more than one mile in her entire life. One mile. And she ran 30 miles. I was with her as she crossed the finish line and tears were streaming down her face. She set a goal to raise $1,000, but over $3,000 came in. She was willing to shave her head and shave her eyebrows to associate those who get hurt and who get trafficked and who get abused. What would cause a person to do that? What would cause a person to do such a thing? What could it be the very love of Jesus that has found us and saved us and now is compelling others to do the same to build the kingdom? I not only think of Reagan, but I think of Noah, a boy named Noah Pitts. Noah's in seventh grade. I'll never forget it. He was on the front row sitting right down here just like these guys. And I had a prayer, and I was believing that, you know what, there was going to be 100 people that took on a $1,000 challenge in our youth ministry. Noah, the whole sermon, he was sitting down in the front. He was fidgety. I was like, he's not normally fidgety. I don't know what's going on. He was just fidgety. And when I gave the altar call to come forward to take on the $1,000 challenge to help rescue people out of slavery, Noah was the first one. He just sprinted. He ran down to the front, got on his knees, and just started praying. God, what do you want me to do? God, how much? He didn't just take on the $1,000 challenge. He felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, Noah, I want you to do $2,000. He's in seventh grade. If there's anybody that could say, I don't have the money. I don't have a full-time job. I don't have benefits. If there's anybody who had any excuse, it's him. And what he did is, what do I have? he looked around in his room and he had an expensive iPad and he went and made a video and he told the whole world that I'm willing to sell my iPad so that girls and boys my age can be rescued because it's an injustice that kids my age are being taken from their moms and dads or they're being sold off by their moms and dads. Noah was discouraged because about a couple weeks before the deadline was due to give him the $2,000 he was only about 100 some bucks. And his iPad hadn't sold. <laughs> I just laughed because God is never late. God is crazy, but literally that Wednesday when the money was due, two thousand dollars had come in, and he had sold his iPad for missions. This is someone who's catching the heart of Jesus, and it's young people that are doing this. What do all these people have in common? What do all those people have in common? You know what they have in common? Jesus, in the willingness to be available. Can you imagine when Jesus told the disciples, you feed them. No, Jesus, didn't you see the ministry we did earlier today? Didn't you hear about the good things we did earlier today? Didn't you hear about the demons leaving and the people getting up that are healed? Didn't you hear about all those things, Jesus? Why do I now need to feed these thousands of people? Are you kidding me? Jesus brought it back all within a moment, saying it's not about you. It's about being a servant unto all, and serving every single one of these people, and if the disciples hadn't been available, they would have missed out on the miracle. I wonder how many of us simply miss out because we're not willing to be available. Just to be available, God, what do you want to do? Note you know what I've noticed? Is that God chooses to use the inconvenient and the impossible to do what he wants to do, and at this moment in time, the disciples, it was an inconvenience to them because they're tired. They're hungry, and the last thing they want to do is to go feed 20,000 people. It's the last thing. It was an inconvenience. And I wonder how many of us right now in our life, if you look at your life, you see all the inconveniences. And you see all the things that are stacked up saying, well, I can't do that. I have this bill that's due. I know I got to pay this payment for my child. Or I got this, or I got Or I wonder how many young kids are in the audience today, and you've been inspired by Noah, but yet you sit there Thinking about the inconveniences. All God is looking for is someone that's willing to be available. God, someone that says, God, I'm here. And he noticed it wasn't the extravagant that they brought. It was the little that they brought that God multiplied. It was what they had. I think Jesus is just wondering and asking you and I is what do you have? What's in your hand? Some of you, you do side jobs to have extra income. What if you decided to use one of those side jobs and say, you know what, this next month I'm going to give to Kingdom Builders. I'm going to give everything I get in this side job to Kingdom Builders. For some of you students, you have an Xbox at home or a PlayStation that's just sitting there and you play it all the time and you know it's been taken away from your faith. What if God challenged you to give up your Xbox so that the kingdom could be built? These are the kind of things that God's doing and God's utilizing in people's lives. At the end of the day, look, I don't want you to hear my voice. But I pray that you would hear and sense God's voice, and God's spirit prompting you to do something, for you to step out. It's all about building bridges. I have two last things, and then I want to pray. I was in Africa, and I got to go to a place called Mafia Island. It's right outside the coast of Tanzania, an island right off of Tanzania there in South, southeast Africa. I was in Mafia Island, and I watched that these pastors there was five pastors on the island, all church plants came up to us and I heard story after story after story about how every single one of their families have been threatened to be killed, slaughtered and to stop preaching the gospel. And if they weren't to stop preaching the gospel, that they'd all be killed and all their families. And I watched it, and I was like, "I live in America, and I don't have anyone come up and tell me that. And these five dudes are pastors. And he said, know what you you could do? Know what the biggest blessing you guys could help us with? Is you could help us provide clean water and put in wells. You want to know why? Because our people are dying. Not because of lack of food. They're dying because they're drinking out of the same water wells that our animals and livestock are drinking out of. And our people are dying because of diseases. Our kids can't make it much longer. And by the way, we want to put these water wells right outside of our churches So that when people come to get water, to meet a physical need, a clean water, we get to share a spiritual need about Jesus and how much he loves them. And so I'll never forget it. I was in bed. It was 5 a.m. in the morning. And I said, God, how much? This is at the end of my trip. God, how much do you want my wife and I to do? How much? Tell me a number. I'm going to give it all. Just tell us a number. And when he told me the number, I started shaking. I literally started shaking in bed. But he said, $20,000, I want you to give within the next month and a half. I started shaking. I immediately pressed play on the movie on when I got home and told my wife and how she would react. So I remember going home from Africa and telling my wife, I feel like we're supposed to give $20,000. And she looked at me and she said, let's do it. All right, let's go. And for us, we don't make a lot of money. I'm just telling you right now, we don't make a lot of money. All we had was maybe a few thousand dollars in our bank account saved up. That's it. How we were going to get 17 or 18 thousand more dollars? I had no idea. But I just said, God, we're going to be obedient. God, we're going to do it for the next month and a half. And I began to pray and I began to do things, began to give. Now I remember it was December, three days in December, and $13,000 had come in at 20 out of 20,000. And there were 6,500 that still hadn't come in. And it was due before the end of December. I went on vacation with my wife. We just gave it to God. We're like, dude, this is awesome. $13,000 we've given and and raised and we've sold things. And we sold iPads and laptops. And this is awesome. This is great. 13, can you believe 13? Who would have ever thought we would have ever given $13,000? I get an email on January 2nd when we get back from vacation. And it said, someone has anonymously given you $6,500 to exactly match $20,000 that God put on your heart in Africa. (laughs) I just think about that. I just think about that. The little that my wife and I had, we gave it back to God and said, God, this is yours anyway. It's not even mine. This is yours anyway. It's not even mine. God, you do with it what you want. I wonder how many people out there are willing to ask the question how much because God's already spoken to you and says you do something about it. My grandpa was a Lutheran minister and a post office worker. and My grandpa was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer given a very short amount of time left. And he knew he was going to die. And he invited all eight of his children And all 30-some of his grandchildren, one family over at a time. And my grandpa started with the oldest child and their kids all the way down to the youngest child and their kids. And he had them come over. And he gave each grandchild and each child a note card. And on the note card was a verse and a prayer. And before my grandpa passed away, he got to pray over every single one of us. It was powerful. I'll never forget it. But the thing I'll never forget even more than that blessing was this was my grandpa, being a pastor, being a minister, every Sunday getting to share about the gospel and sharing Jesus, on his deathbed in his nursing home, my grandpa would not stop sharing the gospel with everybody that came into his room. To people, to nurses, to doctors, he just kept telling people about Jesus. And he looked at us as a family and he said, you want to know what my biggest regret is? My biggest regret... Is not sharing the gospel with more people but I waited till now I waited till now and I wish I would have just shared it freely and generously as I'm doing now and I thought about it and it was a challenge to me personally that what am I doing with my life right now what am I investing in right now what am I giving to now and I'll say this is that one day a hundred years from now, the only thing that will matter is your relationship with Jesus because you will not be able to take your retirement accounts with you. You will not be able to take your bank statements or your investments with you. Could you pass those on to your family? You got it. You bet it. But the one thing we can do now is invest in building the kingdom, into doing what God wants us to do because the challenge has already been laid out. And if you want to know what breaks God's heart, it's people. And so from now till the day you take your last breath, we get to be a part in investing into others and loving other people. I'm going to pray. In a little bit, your pastor's going to come. But in just a little bit, we're going to have an opportunity to give. And the Bible is clear. The Bible says this. If you feel manipulated or if you feel coerced into giving, do not give it. The Bible's clear. Scripture clearly says that. But at the same time, What God asks us to give, there's an obedience factor involved, and it's an opportunity for you to step out in faith into building the kingdom, and I'm going to ask that you do that, and that you partner with what this church is already doing, what students of this church and students of this state are already doing. I want you to know something. It is bigger than your church. Listen to me. It is bigger than your church. Across the state, what God is doing in the state of Minnesota is unlike anything I've ever seen before. Last year, just in Minnesota, our students gave over a million dollars to missions. It's never been done in the history of the Assemblies of God, never. And the nation has been inspired by what this church and other churches across the state are doing. The nation is coming to Minnesota saying, how can we do what you guys are doing? Other denominations are coming to Minnesota saying, how are you allowing this to happen for your missionaries? What are you doing? I want you to know this. It's bigger than this church right here this morning but you're joining up with what God is already doing. And if there's one thing I'd recommend, it's find out what God is doing and feed it. Keep giving into it. God, I thank you so much for every person that's here. And I know, God, without a shadow of a doubt, that there is someone here who could write a check for five, ten thousand, 10000 and it wouldn't even hurt. But I also do know that there are some here where giving $5 would hurt, and that that would be a lot. God, I pray as we have an opportunity to give, it would be a reflection of our heart with you, knowing, God, that we can trust you. This is your money anyway. God, I thank you for the young people across this nation and state who knows what it means to feed, to go. God, to be sent. Lord, I pray a blessing over this church. I thank you for the legacy, the history of missions giving and going and supporting. And God, I thank you for the deep wells that have been here in the past, but God, I thank you for the things that are to come, the things that you are doing, how you are raising people up, God, how you're spurring people on. And I thank you, God, that your word does not return void, but in your word there is power and there is life. And I thank you for that today, God. I pray your encouragement over this body of believers.